I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. Today, I'm being joined once again by the amazing Dan Lucky. Jesse, how are you, my dear? I'm doing awesome, Adam. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, it is great to have you and you, the listeners. It is March 2nd, and we have a fantastic show for you this week. We're going to start it off with I Dream of Jesse, episode 11, Materialism. This is a good one. We're going to follow that with Infernal Informant, Breatharian Barbie Valeria Lukyanov Nova no, Novava says she wants to live off light and air alone. <laughs> and I say letter. And Obama warns <laughs> Russia of costs of military intervention in Ukraine. We're going to get serious here for just a second. Really, just a second. And we're going to close it out with Old Nick's Peep Show, uh, episode six. We're going to talk a little bit about their social networking. So that's going to be it for the show anything uh anything exciting happening for you lately uh not anything out of the ordinary all right it's boring <laughs> boring old life that i lead <laughs> you mean besides the uh sacrificing the virgin boys and the slaughtering of cats actually yesterday oh, we went s- no we went snowmobiling my <laughs> husband and i and on our way back we passed by this uh it's like a downhill ski slope, not like, yeah. you know, Olympic level, but it's it's a serious downhill ski slope. And he had it in his head. It's been there since he was a kid, and he's had it in his head. He wanted to go sledding down it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's old school with the sledding, so sledding means grabbing a grain bag and riding it down. So it was my job to stand at the bottom and take pictures of him. <laughs> As he slid down this extraordinarily sleep, steep, icy slope. <laughs> that was our big adventure for the week. Oh, fantastic. I got to ask you about this grain bag thing. I've never heard of this. I'd never heard of it either, but I guess I'm not that hick, you know? <laughs> so it's literally like like wheat or something? Uh, actually, he used a bag of uh, black from black oil sunflowers. We buy black oil sunflower seed for the birds in like 40-pound bags. So it's a big bag. Wow, yeah. And does he like hold part of it like up so it doesn't sort of like flop forward? Uh, that might have been the original intention, but he didn't stay on the bag very long. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Sledding is always fantastic until you eat shit. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. The first time I ever took my son sledding, he was, um, I don't know, maybe maybe five or six or something. But it was this really big bowl of a park. So the edges just went way, way high up in the air. And obviously we had gotten there after a bunch of other kids had gotten there. So they built these ramps at the bottom with snow and stuff. And so my son, really energetic, really excited, really wants to go off one of these jumps. And it was amazing as he hit it and he was in the air up until the time where his face met the snow. <laughs> Coming back down, totally <laughs> ate shit. So I, I went into like 
you know, protective father mode and was like just barreling down the hill trying to get after my son who hurt himself and he's freaking crying. And yeah, that was pretty much the end of the entire day. Yeah. <laughs> Sledding is always fun until you eat shit. All right. <laughs> it's all fun and games till somebody loses an eye. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, can't we still have fun? So you're down an eye. You were given two. I mean, come on. <laughs> Roll with the punches, people. <laughs> all right. So before uh, we dive in here, I got a couple things that I want to touch on. There's been so much going on lately. I've I've been like really, really not having any freaking time. So I mentioned last week how my wife. Um, it's not really not her fault. It's not fair of me to say she got the car wreck, but she was in the car when it got hit. And so, um, I don't know if it was last week, maybe the week before, but, uh, we, we had like the insurance had the car and they're, you know, had their, um, mechanics looking at it and they said it was a total fucking loss. Now, you know, to, for me to hear that my car is a total loss when I drove it to the insurance agent and left it there is an absurd notion. Like, you cannot tell me it's a total loss if I'm fucking driving the motherfucking car. And so they're like, well, it's it's going to be too much to repair it, so we'll give you this much. And I was stunned at how little it was after having been with this insurance company for so goddamn long. So I asked them to sort of give me an itemized list of what was wrong with it, and I sent it over to another mechanic, and they're like, oh, we can fix it for this much, which was just under what they were going to um, give it back to me for. So I was like, well, why don't you just have them fix it when, and you pay them to fix it? They're like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do that. It's a total loss. Like, what the fuck does that mean? It's just, it's like at some point, someone gets it in their head to say no. And no matter what you do, they will never come around. So logically, I, I'm like, okay, well, I've, I've paid you for how many years to in insure my vehicle in case this very thing happens and then it happens it's not bad enough that i can't drive the car to your doorstep leave it with you and then a day later you tell me it's a total loss that you have to impound the vehicle like i do not accept that and then i get an itemized bill from the other fucking like mechanic saying that they can fix this exact problem that you're quoting me as a total loss for less than you're willing to give it to me and you don't even want to fucking like give it to them to fix like it doesn't make any sense at all like they're just no we can't do that we no no we can't and so i have to reclaim the vehicle from them which means i get less than they would have given me if they just would have declared it a total loss and kept the fucking vehicle which complete fucking scam job much i get the car back i have it towed over and the asshat fucking agent has the balls he's got the cojones to say well, why didn't you just have us fix it? Fuck you, man! How, are you kidding me? You, I, I had a fucking argument with you for a goddamn week over this fucking thing being a total loss, and now that I actually have it on my own dime being towed to another fucking mechanic who's actually willing to fix what's fucking wrong with it, having nothing to do with the insurance agency, I've been pouring money into every goddamn month for fucking years of my life, now you're gonna offer to fuck you! Fuck you! Ah, oh, it's so, so goddamn infuriating. Sorry so, I take it you're not big on insurance agencies. Oh my god. Can I, can I just say, in the last 20-ish years, every penny I've made has been on the insurance sector. I'm not in insurance, I'm in IT, but in the insurance sector. Yeah. And yet, 
I would gladly be unemployed if we could do away with all kinds, auto health, all kinds, homeowners, get rid of all the insurance in this country. Gone. Everybody self-insure. I think that would be best for everyone. It is insane. It, like we've the, doing- the amount you pay monthly in premiums, if you just put that in a piggy bank, you'd be all set. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like what I paid, what they offered me was like two years worth of, of me paying into it, which was not, was not a lot. Like I, I just, I feel like I should, they should have been like, no problem. Here you are, sir. And give me a fucking donut for my trouble. (laughs) But no. And we weren't even at fault. Like, fuck. Like how, how much more can you stick it in my ass? Like, I don't like this. Yeah, since we started doing um, HSA uh, for our healthcare, which is, you know, us pretty much doing it out of pocket, like the company puts a little bit in, but it's kind of like a savings account for if you ever need uh, medical insurance for the benefit of those who don't know. Um, it's, It's totally the responsible way to do business. Like that is the only possible way that you could ever actually get your value worth (laughs) if you just save your own money and then spent it when you needed it. Like, you know, obviously it sucks when if it's like a catastrophic event that happens before you have your bankroll in there. But, you know, that's kind of life and you just have to roll with that. But Yeah, but see, I don't know if like regular if you if you had an HMO and, you know, God forbid you or your wife get cancer and die within a year. I don't know if that wouldn't bankrupt the family, even with an HMO. Somehow people are still going broke over this stuff. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. It's a nightmare. The whole fucking thing's a nightmare. Insurance Did I is say God forbid, by the way? Did that one slip out? <laughs> and you just let it go? Uh, well, what am, what am, what am I, I'm, I'm like the Jesus police. You can't say <laughs> that you're not a Christian. Or you're not a good Satanist if you say that. You know, like, give me a fucking oh, break. Sometimes fucking I use language. them intentionally and every now and then they just kind of slip out out of heaven. I'm like, what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people are like conscious about it. They're like... They're like tiptoeing around every word they say just in case <laughs> they run across the G-O-D or G- Jesus word or something. Like, get, just fucking live. I don't fucking care. I don't have time for this shit. It doesn't mean you're not a fucking saint. So um, it's just absurd, you know. And I, I remember like in my uh, – in college, I was doing this whole art uh, sort of end of uh, degree art presentation and – it was centered around the idea of corporate America, sort of the concept. And, you know, one of my instructors was just like, you know, you need to stop fucking around with GE and you need to stop fucking around with um, Coca-Cola and you need to focus on insurance because insurance agencies are where the real corporate monstrosities lie. Like that is the monsters that are dragging down America. If you want to look at, you know, sort of corporations ruling America, it's insurance. And I never really clicked in my head even when he was saying it to me until, you know, years later. And I'm like, wow, you know what? He's fucking right. Like, we are all at the fucking mercy of this. Same in banks. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not yeah. big on banks either. It's wild. Wild, wild. All right. Well, um, fuck. You know, there are a couple more things I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, at the very first of the show, you heard a new intro. Thank you so much, my dear, for dropping that one on me. I really did appreciate it. I love it when I, I get these little emails from <laughs> Google Voice telling me uh, um, you've received a new voicemail. And then I listen to it and it's a, it's a new drop. I'm just like, yay! People listen to this show. <laughs> it's not just me. 
<laughs> that is fantastic. So thank you so much. And everyone out there, if you want to, you can actually leave me your own voicemail. No one's going to pick up the line, so you can take your time and do it however you want. Uh, if you're prone to get nervous, you can take your time. It's not a big deal. But uh, yeah, leave me your own top drop, the little uh, I would like if I may to take you on a strange journey. Uh, the phone numbers under the contact section of 9centspodcast.com. Um, I don't want to spit it out now because I might give you the wrong number. So, you know, just look for it on the website and then leave me your own drop if you are so inclined. And I do appreciate everyone who has. You guys are fantastic. Um, my daughter, I also mentioned this last week, just had a birthday. And so we've been sort of like her grandparents give her money and sort of girly things. My daughter is more girly than my wife. Like, my daughter is crazy super girly. And it's adorable as a father up until the point where it's starting to get serious. Like, she's walking around the mall in high heels. And she's fucking so young. She's walking around the, the mall in high heels in a dress with her hair done up that she did herself. And she's a pretty little girl. And she did, like, she takes time to do her hair and everything. And she's way crazy young. And, like, now she does that. What's going to happen in 10 years? So, like, she came home today after spending some of her birthday money. Uh, her and her mom went shopping. And she came back in with these bags as big as her, holding them above her, her arms had to be above her head to hold the bags off the ground. And she's like, Daddy, Daddy, look what I bought. And she's like going through this process of tearing all this stuff out of the bags, showing me what she bought. And it's new shoes and new dress and fucking makeup. Like, this is where my head starts just exploding. Now, I was raised with more girls than boys, but it's my girl. I'm like, my little girl, like, she's fucking all grown up and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to... Fuck! It's terrible. Like, I knew this day would come. For some reason, I was hoping she would be... Like, I, I adore her for who she is, and I, I would never want her to be anything different. But it seems like it would be easier if she was just a tomboy, then I would be able to hold on to her a little bit longer. Well, oh. if I can offer a word of encouragement, she's probably going to change directions many times before adulthood. So she's oh, yeah, going yeah, the total yeah. girly route right now. She might go a whole 180 and go tomboy by the age of 12. You never know. Yeah, that's true. It's crazy because, like, I she's just this natural witch. She uses her fucking her mind and her wit. It is uh, she's a smart little cookie uh, for manipulation. And so I, you know, I I totally uh, I'm really stoked. She's gonna be an amazing witch when she grows up. But damn, if it's not hard seeing her walking around with makeup and earrings and high heels and a dress, like that's my little girl, and she's not. Like, she is little, but she's not little. Like, <laughs> mentally, she's not a little girl. <laughs> it's hard. Oh, I hate it. I just don't want her to grow up. It was weird. Like, when before we had, before we decided to have another child and it ended up being uh, my daughter, uh, you know, I'd watch stuff like, um, um, oh, geez, what is that Steve Martin show where it, his daughter grows up and, like, gets married and moves on? Father of the Bride or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that always, like, hit me like, oh, I, it would be awesome to have a daughter and to you know, sort of go through that side of it because I'd already had my son for years and sort of, you know, been going through that side of it, uh, you know, dealing with a boy and stuff. It's much different. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to be able to, you know, be a part of another person's life and to help them, you know, grow up into an adult. And, man, those feelings and those emotions are spot on in that movie. It is, like, crazy. And she's just fucking crazy young now still, too. It's, it, it's just, it's, today it hit me hard because of all this, you know, shopping and, and stuff like that. But, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm having a hard time with it, man. I, I feel like, 
it would be much better if I was a horrible parent and I just just detached. <laughs> like <laughs> emotionally, it would be so much better. <laughs> uh, all right. Don't know what to tell you. Not a parent. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, maybe I can just like lock her in a bubble or something. Like, <laughs> you know, why? Why do you want to suppress her? She's out. She's exploring. She's becoming a woman. Maybe at a bit young of an yeah. age, but she's becoming yeah. a woman slowly. <laughs> don't hold her back. Either. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. Of course, I'm not going to. But fuck if I don't want to. All right. Um. So that's that's just a weird thing, you know. The parent just wanted to drop that in there. Um. And then, hey, you're gonna be watching the Oscars tonight. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! The Oscars are on. Adam, we got we got to finish this up quick. We oh oh, what time is it? What time is it? I, oh, we got I don't even have cable. How am I going to record it? <laughs> I didn't think so. Yeah, I don't either. Like I I don't I don't I don't think anyone listening to this show is going to fully like understand what the hype is for about it. Um, I like it when there's mishaps, and then I can catch it on YouTube the next day or something like that. Like oh my gosh, this person like bash their head into the mic or something stupid like that. I dig that. Like, I have fun with that. But, like, just bated breath, you know, please let them win. I, I give a fuck. You know, like, I've watched movies that that at the end of them I'll, like, turn to the person next to me and, like, that was the best movie I've seen in a decade. And, and I'll go home and I'll tell my family and I'll go to work the next day and tell my coworkers. I've been that excited about a movie and never once have I then thought, that movie should win an award. It's just like <laughs> awards aren't in my mental toolbox or whatever. I, it, I just don't think about that. I yeah. might think that actor deserves to be in, you know, get their choice of the next 10 movies they make or that director should have, you know, all the funding to make the next movie. But I never think about giving, giving people awards. You know, I, I can recognize the good job, but it doesn't make me say give them an award it's they got paid to do it and they did it well let's recognize that and be done with it oh man i've got so many things that you just reminded me of i want to touch on before we start the show i'm sorry everyone but i'm gonna have to get some of these out okay so you know being in advertising there's a lot of industry awards that are associated with that um and so i i get you know, industry dependent there's some really you know you want to be recognized amongst your peers for being uh, exceptional at what you do. There's nothing like I get that. I understand. I don't understand why the rest of the world gives a fuck. Like <laughs> you don't see the Addies having a fucking red carpet affair. Like you know, telecast on, on TV. It's like a Super Bowl of sorts. Like that doesn't happen. It's only for movies and for I guess plays with the Emmys or. Or is that something else? But there's it's like three or Tony's four or big ones. Yeah. yeah. And so there's like three or four rewards that are like sort of like TV and film and stuff like that. But what about all the other industries? Like no one else gives a fuck. So why, what is it about this pretentious group of individuals that merits bugging the rest of humankind to watch their industry uh, pl- clap on the back? Like who cares? Like I just don't understand. You're not in the industry. Why the fuck do you care? It's so weird. And so, like, another thing, you you you'd mentioned that, you know, it's just them uh, doing their job and getting an award. This literally happened to me. Okay, so this is very, very funny. Um, I was sitting in on an office meeting, and part of uh, one of the teams that I work with in my job is uh, a writing team for some websites. And so, an, uh, a sort of SEO group, search engine optimization group, who's been helping them with their writing, uh, 
and he's been with them for about a year. So he, he's been telling them what to do in their writing, uh, sort of methods to, you know, whatever, and, and they've been doing it. And so a year later, he comes out with these, like, like baseball trophies, and he gives these writers these trophies. And he's like, this is for you because you've done such a good job, and this is for you. And I'm, like, sitting here blown out of my mind. Like, they didn't excel at anything. They did literally what you told them to do, and for doing that, you're giving them a fucking, <laughs> like, a trophy. This is the most insane. Have we all lost our minds with the trophy thing? Everyone is not a fucking winner. <laughs> there are significant losers in this world. We have to do away with this participation award bullshit. So he gives them all fucking awards. And the next day, I swear, this is fucking true. He sends an email, an email out to everyone and says that they should take a photo with their trophy and post it on social networking for the company that I work for to show that they're exceptional. But th there's nothing exceptional. They didn't win an award from competitive peer reviewed work they literally did what they were told and they got an award for it and he wants to share that with the world how fucking crazy pretentious how would that be beneficial and for anyone it's the most insane so i i crafted this really robust snarky insulting email and send it off to everyone and squash the entire fucking thing like they were, I, I had, you know, people were pissed because I was being so rude about it and, and downplaying their accomplishments, air quotes. But fuck, man, like how, we cannot let this shit happen. Like if you are not exceptional, if you are literally doing your job and someone is literally standing behind you saying, do this, do that, and then giving you an award for doing it, I don't want to live in that world. Like that is not <laughs> where I want to be. Where is exceptionalism? Where I, is individualism? I have an award in my desk drawer for being employed at a company for five years. <laughs> no. Everyone else that's been there that long has it out on their desk. I just kept it in the drawer. <laughs> oh, it just kills me. It kills me. <laughs> I thought it was dumb when you're in the military and every three years you put a new stripe on your dress uniform. Like, I, like who, who cares? Like, you, you're a soldier. That's what you do. Why do you have to have a marking for how long you've been in? But I get it. It's sort of like a battle scar. You're, you know, you're marking yourself because you've been in so long. But, like, time and service at a job? And, and here's the weird thing. Like, I can, I'm starting to understand having been in my industry for uh you know a little over a decade now that the, these i hate saying this because i sound so fucking old younger generations they don't stay at jobs long like they job hop you know they they if they don't get the positive reinforcement they feel like they need they will leave and move on and so you you know we see a lot of people come and go so i could understand why nowadays in today's corporate climate five years would be like ooh wow <laughs> You're an old timer. <laughs> yeah, but that still doesn't mean you should feel like you accomplished something just because somebody gives. You and this is a this is a heavy plaque, Adam. This is not Damn. like some little piece of tin with a little plastic backing. This thing probably <laughs> weighs about three pounds. <laughs> oh man, where where are we going, people? Like, is this is this what we want? Is this where we wanted to go? If this is the result of bike helmets and helicopter parenting, 
Fucking throw them in the garbage. Let's just stop. Stop with the seatbelts and the bike helmets. Stop with the fucking knee pads. Let's just... Let's just live for a second and not worry about fucking being in a bubble and holding and hugging everyone for every bowel movement. Like, come on. <laughs> Let's stop this shit. Ooh, you had another solid one. Good job, Sally. Here's a patch. Fuck. Man, not the world I want to be in. All right, well, I guess that's enough. That was a lot of yelling, actually, this early on. Uh, how about we do a little I Dream of Jesse? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesse! What do you want? Well, first, Jesse, I'd, I'd, I'd like you to dress me as master. I, I am your master, after all. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, master. That's better. Now look, I've got guests coming over tonight, and I want you to entertain them. What, do I look like a belly dancer? Oh, I, I assume that was part... I mean, the outfit, it, it kind of suggests... You may be used to dance. Listen, the gin put me in the bottle. He forgot to add the preservatives. Now, the outfit may be wrinkle-free, but what in it ain't. You don't like it? Call the number on the bottle and complain. Materialism is a bad thing. So saith the Christians and the Buddhists and probably preachers of other faiths as well. But can materialism ever be bad for us Satanists? Well, yeah... If you're not smart about it and treat life like some kind of hedonistic free-for-all. Picture this. You've had your eye on a new car. You saved up for it. You buy it. You drive it off the lot and some dickhead runs a red light and t-bones you. Your new car is totaled. How crushed you would be would depend on how easy it was for you to buy that car. Did you save up for days? Weeks? Years? Did you have to take a loan out to buy it? Cars are a big one. People buy more than they can afford to lose. Now, maybe you wouldn't lose it. Maybe you'd have it for years to come and nothing bad would ever happen. But I'll bet you'd be less stressed driving a car that you can afford to lose. Often you'll hear justifications like, Oh, I need a new reliable car because I've got my kids with me. Oh, honey, please. Where are you going to take your children that you can't call a tow truck to or a cab to in the event of an emergency? Listeners in remote areas, you can ignore that last remark. You go ahead and buy something reliable. But the rest of you, you'll be fine. Hell, your kids will probably remember the breakdown tow truck and cab ride as an adventure. But that's just one example of the way we justify buying things we can't afford. No money down and low monthly payments are not your friends. Buying something you can't afford to lose is bad enough, but buying something you can't afford to own is worse. If you later find yourself selling the object, it's a pretty good sign that you need to think things through more. I'm not talking things like selling an old smartphone or a laptop because you've upgraded. Those you sell not because you need the money, but because, what the hell, it's extra cash and it's something you weren't using anyway. That's fine, unless you're caught up in an upgrade loop, but we'll get to that in a minute. I'm talking you bought something one year, and the following year money is tight, so you justify selling it and tell yourself it was worth it. The delusion part works like this. Say you bought a ride-on mower. You use it for a year and then sell it when cash comes up short. You tell yourself that what you paid for it, minus what you sold it for, is less than it would have cost you to pay the neighbor's kid to mow your lawn. So it was worth it, right? But that's bullshit. Because you could have gotten a push mower, you still wouldn't have needed to pay the neighbor's kid, and you might not have had to sell it a year later. The last thing you want is to be selling your tools. Tools are supposed to help you make money by their use. Look, everyone makes errors in judgment buying stuff. Marketing is specifically designed to cause these errors in judgment. 
Just try not to succumb so often. Buying what you can't afford to lose is bad. Buying what you can't afford to own is worse. But buying what you only want because of what others will think is the worst yet. Holy fuck is that stupid. Nobody likes you more because you have nice stuff. Let me repeat that. Nobody likes you more because you have nice stuff. The people who already like you might be happy for you and share in the excitement of your stuff, but the people who don't already like you either aren't going to care about your stuff or they're going to get all envious and like you less. Hell, I do this. I'll see someone who has something I want and think how unfair it is that they earn enough to buy something I can't afford. Or I'll suspect that they can't afford it either and tell myself that that person is a fool and too stupid to manage their finances. Yeah, I've got all kinds of bullshit I can tell myself when I see someone with something I want. The best I can do is to try to remember it's bullshit and not fool myself every time. That and remember that other people are looking at my stuff with those same green-eyed goggles, trying to pick out the character flaws evident in my materialism. If you can surround yourself with people who will genuinely be happy for you and share in your excitement, people you are genuinely happy for, fantastic, that's the best life. But when that's not possible, you'll want to avoid getting dragged down into a spiral of false flattery, mean-spirited competitiveness, and poorly planned ostentatiousness that doesn't benefit anyone, least of all you. So let's keep a few things in mind when it comes to indulging in materialism. Buy things that bring some instant joy or carry their own sense of adventure, so that if the object is destroyed or stolen, while you might not like its loss, you'll still have joyful memories of it. Maybe instead of that nice new car, you pick out something with a few dents in it. Do that and you'll never have to worry about where you take it, where you park it, what weather conditions you drive in. A new car will make your neighbors think you're frivolously spending away your kid's college fund while they smile and nod and tell you how happy they are for you. A used car will free your mind from cares and allow you more adventure. Here's another thing. Buy stuff that won't ever need to be upgraded. But Jesse, everything wears out eventually and technology requires upgrades just to keep functioning. Yeah, I know. I'm not telling you to carve this one in stone on Mount Sinai, okay? My point is, if you buy things you know you'll need to upgrade, expecting to keep upgrading, and seek joy in these short-lived objects, you're falling into a trap of marketers called planned obsolescence. If you own a smartphone, try not to get all geeked out and excited on all the things the thing can do. That's just going to get you into the habit of always wanting the latest model. And when you have the latest model, your coworkers will smile at you and ooh and ah over what your phone can do, and they will also be wondering how much you get paid and how much less valuable an employee you are compared to them and how you must be brown-nosing the boss. If you keep the lowest technology available for what you need your phone to do, you probably won't spend as much time playing with the damn thing. You might find less technology frees you to do more, perhaps working lesser magic on your coworkers who are half distracted by their own smartphones while you're influencing them. One last tip. When you're indulging in materialism, buying something you want, not something you need, ask yourself if you will like the object just as much if no one else in the world ever finds out you own it. If the answer is no, don't buy it. If it's a piece of antique furniture, can you put it in a rarely used room and keep that door closed when company comes over? Or is a large part of the joy in showing it off? If it's a limited edition vinyl recording of the world's coolest band, can you keep it tucked away and just play mp3s off your iPod when your friends come over? I'm not talking the friends who also share the passion for analog. Those people probably will get genuinely excited like you will. I'm talking a group of friends who won't sit silently just listening. If you take out the vinyl with this group, you're not gaining anything in sound quality. You're looking for approval.
If you've somehow acquired a hardcover of the Satanic Bible and you host group rituals, can you keep it shut in a drawer and whip out the old paperback when the group comes over? Oh, but Jesse, the hardcover adds to the ambience and makes the whole ritual better. Not necessarily. Not if it distracts you with thoughts of gaining other people's approval, or if it causes your guests to put on their green-eyed goggles. If other people need to know you have it for it to bring you joy, don't buy it. Now, if an object is a tool for social interaction, that's different. I've got a pair of red pumps that I adore, but the point is for them to be seen on me. In cases like this, you should still ask yourself the same question. Will you like the object just as much if no one else in the world ever finds out you own it? The difference here is, if the answer is yes, don't buy it. A yes answer means you're buying what should be a tool as if it had some intrinsic value. I work with a lady who dresses most inconsistently. Some days she's all decked out, but most days it's a sweatshirt, jeans, and flip-flops. She recently moved in with a guy and was telling us how he reacted to her overwhelming shoe collection. The woman does own a lot of really cute shoes. When she comes in dressed up, the shoes always work with the outfit, but four out of five days it's flip-flops. So what's the point of the shoes? She's trying to gain happiness from tools that sit in her closet and his closet, apparently, since there's more than could fit in just hers. She's not getting any happier. I'll bet somewhere out there there's a marketer who is, though. Let me go back to the new car example, because I don't want to make it sound like I'm all down on new cars. I'm not. Apparently this week I'm down on marketers, which is kind of funny, because that's part of what Adam does for a living. Here he is letting me do a segment on his show, and I'm bad-mouthing his whole profession. <laughs> God, I am such a cunt. Anyway, new cars. If you buy a new car because you think it will make you happy, you have probably succumbed to somebody else's marketing idea. If, on the other hand, you buy a new car as part of an image you are presenting to further your career, great. Just make sure you can afford it. Because it might be just as effective to buy a two-year-old Mercedes as a brand new one. And it will save you money, which you might need in a year or two. The last thing you want is to have to sell your tools later on, bullshitting yourself into thinking it was a good deal and it paid for itself in the end. Tools are bought for their use, not for their resale value. And materialistic indulgences are bought to excite you, not others. Fuck the marketers. Unless, of course, they make cool podcasts. Here we go. Hey, what's going on fast? Uh, infernal forming. Okay, this is from the Huffington Post. Uh, Breatharian Barbie Valeria Lukianova says she wants to live off light and air alone. A Ukrainian model who has cast herself as a real-life Barbie doll says she in eventually hopes to live without eating or drinking. Valeria Lukianova, whose doll-like features and ultra-thin waist have stirred controversy in the past, has apparently made it her goal to survive on air and light alone. In recent weeks, I have not been hungry at... Wait, I gotta, I gotta bimbo that out. In recent weeks, I have not been hungry at all, Yukanova said, <laughs> <laughs> according to the International Business Times. I'm hoping it's the final stage before I can subsist on air and light alone. The website it's linked... all over her head. 
<laughs> the website linked that dietary desire to the new age practice known as breatharianism, in which followers <laughs> neither eat nor drink, believing they can exist solely on cosmic microfood. Lukianova, it's really good with some hot sauce. Yes, it is. <laughs> Lukianova, who believes in reincarnation and claims to have been in contact with trans-dimensional beings, has said she uses her appearance to promote her spiritual ideas. But Jezebel.com, that highly cited source, Jezebel.com, <laughs> maintains that Yulukyanyeva is merely starving herself in order to maintain her dollish proportions. Last year, a 65-year-old Seattle woman who went 47 days living on air, or sorry, living on water and tea, citing Breatharianin yogis as her inspiration. Navina Shine's goal was to maintain the extreme fast for 100 days, but she called it off after receiving what she called a message from the universe that it's time to stop. <laughs> yeah, they knock send, on death's door. <laughs> they, they send messages in the form of stomach growls. <laughs> what was that? Cosmic Universe? Yes, I should have a Big Mac. All right. Commenting on Shine's case, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, medical director of the Hoffman Center and host of a weekly health podcast, told The Guardian that it is delusional to think that you can escape the laws of biology. At least one person has starved to death trying to adhere to the Breatharian <laughs> regimen. And that wins a Darwin Award in my book. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Hey, where's the fucking the awards now? I mean, this is the fucking podcast for it. Oh my gosh. So, I'm looking at the the images here on this and I I there's nothing attractive about this. Like at, okay. at what kind of, okay. Do you think this is attractive? Well, 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 okay, let's let's first just like I mean, you've already kind of gone past it, but let's officially dismiss the bullshit. There is nothing about this that is really about breatharianism. That was an excuse <laughs> to post an article about this lady. And anybody who thinks that breatharianism is the real subject matter is an idiot. Okay, so now we're on this lady. All right. <laughs> now, wait a segment. There are some actual studies that these yogis <laughs> can – they don't have to eat or anything. They can just breathe. I, you know what? Uh, I think real dolls look more real than this lady. I don't know what it is. I don't oh, know if yeah, she yeah, deliberately yeah. does her makeup to look fake. I think she is trying to just be just like the Barbie doll. Yeah, it's it's like she's trying to not <clears throat> pass the touring test or something. I don't – is this – on one hand, I want to just sort of – oversimplify it and say this is what you get as a society for glorifying um, an absurd notion of a, a good physical creature. Like, you know, we look at Barbies and we look at Disney uh, cartoons and that is and, and fucking all the photoshopping involved in every single fashion and health magazine telling us that this is what a woman should look like. This is what attractive is. And then this is like the extreme result of it. Like I, I want to oversimplify it and just say that this is what we get as a culture for saying that that fucking you must be super thin and you must be the picture of a fucking doll. Like no woman looks like this. What? If you're attracted to this, you're literally attracted to dolls, like not not human beings, but toys. Okay, That's well, as per usual, I disagree with you. <laughs> oh boy! Oh shit! Here we go. No, um, 
okay, now it, uh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say it's in the Satanic Witch. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not sure. But I believe in the Satanic Witch somewhere. It says that you should find a sort of archetype or just kind of like culturally iconic female that you can model yourself off of that people will think of when they look at you and you should, you know, that should be the image you go for. And I'm terribly misphrasing that. Hopefully somebody out there understands the reference I'm making. When I read that 10 years ago or whatever it was when I first came across Satanism, it was immediately obvious to me what archetype I should go after because on numerous occasions by various people in various contexts, I have been called Barbie. That's the image. That's the one that people think of when they look at me. Now, I don't look like this lady at all. Um, I don't look fake at all. I also don't have big boobs like that. Um, but the fact that people have an image of Barbie and that they look at me and say, oh, you look like Barbie, isn't an indication that they look at Barbie and think that that's what a woman should look like. They just look at Barbie and they get a certain icon in their face, in their face, I mean, in their mind. This lady, this Valeria Lukianova, she looks at Barbie with kind of a in an ill brain or something. I should, there's something mentally well, wrong with sure. this. Yeah. And she's looking at it in a much more literal sense, saying that's what I should look like. But it's not society telling her that's what she should look like. Society is looking at her like they look at a train wreck or a car crash. <laughs> it's her fault she looks like this. Well, maybe not her fault. She might have been born with a brain defect. But it's her that's doing this. It's not society that's doing this. We're gawking. We're not... I mean, maybe some people are lusting, but I suspect more people are gawking than lusting. I definitely don't want it to, like what I said, to come off as I'm excusing her of any responsibility for sure. Because <laughs> no, 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 that, that's definitely not what I'm saying. Uh, and that's why I said that she's, the, you know, the extreme case of, of that overreaction where, um, you know, she sees I should be perfection in the form of this doll. Now, that, like you said, there has to be some deep, deep, deep-seated mental trauma involved here uh, for her to do this. But, you know, we do see it in other people that are, you know, non-sexual at all related, where there was, you know, that, that cat guy uh, that died a, a couple years ago where he tattooed his whole body like a tiger, and then he had implants of ears and cheeks and teeth filed together to make himself look like... Like, he just saw himself as a cat. And so that's what he sort of projected in everything that he did to manipulate his body. So maybe this is a broader conversation over, um, and I didn't even plan on taking it here, so I'm not really prepared for this type of discussion if you want to have it, um, but a broader conversation of, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm flipping on a dime here quickly, instead of society telling you what you should be, this may be society uh, telling you what you should be and you saying, no, 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 this is what I am. I am a fucking human cat or I am the personification of a Barbie or I am whatever it is, the human enigma, where this is how I see myself. Or, or and I, I'm probably going to get some hate mail for this from people taken in the spirits intended. Or you were born a boy and you're like, no, I'm a woman. Or you were born a man and you're saying, no, I mean a, a woman. You're like, no, I'm a man. So you go through those exchange, um, those extreme uh, procedures in order to realize how you see yourself. 
Now, okay, okay, well, I don't want to associate. Hold, let me quickly say, I don't yeah. want to associate sickness with that because I think, you know, I, I'm sort of jumping from extreme to not so extreme, and from healthy and sick in in the same sentence there. So I, please don't associate that. But do you know just that that concept of these people are just trying to realize how they see themselves or how they want to be seen. Okay, now y- you bring up something that I hadn't considered, which is. And I don't think this is the case with this Valeria Yukikanova, but if somebody wanted to look like a Barbie doll, a Satanist who wanted to look like a Barbie doll, because that's sort of an over-the-top projection of an image that's going to draw attention, and maybe she can use that to her own advantage, there's nothing wrong with that. And if I thought for a minute that that's what this woman was doing, I would respect her for it. But when she brings up the whole... I'm in touch with universal agents and eating cosmic food, and I believe I'll be able to live on food and light. That kind of rules out the possibility that she's, you know, being manipulative and in charge of her own destiny. So while you bring up a very good point that, you know, when somebody says, this is the image I want to have, this is what I want to be in life, and who are you to tell me I can't be it? Yeah, absolutely. People should be able to get implants and tattoo stripes on themselves and call themselves Tigger the Tiger if that's really what they want. I'm sorry. It's (laughs) (laughs) T-I-double-G. If you want to be specific. (laughs) But I don't think that's the case. And I think this woman is truly mentally ill. Though she's better looking than I am. So, hey. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even think she's attractive at all. I, I hate everything about this. Um, but, I mean, this is a really, really interesting discussion, I think, because, you know, this it, it, it all comes down to intent. If you're doing it on purpose for the furthering of your own, as you see it, uh, betterment of life, and who's to say that she's not doing it? You know, we're just sort of projecting the way that we think that she's going. Now, I'm not going to argue on the craziness side of, you know, following new age bullshit. Yeah. Um, I think I think most teenagers do because they like the idea of it and that's why people play with Wiccan and they play with magical books and stuff because they like the idea of it. Yeah. Most people grow out of it. Um, maybe she never did. Maybe she doesn't have the capacity beyond uh, sort of infantile thought, which would explain a whole fucking hell of a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, it all comes down to intent. For, for virtually everything, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. Before we leave this article, how old do you think this woman is looking at the pictures? Oh, this is, okay, this is a good one. Um, I don't even know how we could find out. I'm sure it's on Google somewhere. I'm going to say she really does not look very old, but there's a lot of work done. Yeah, I'm that's gonna just say, it. There's so much work done that you're like, okay... You know, in some photos, she looks like she could be 16 even, but there's, in other photos, there's so much obvious work done that you're like, Christ, she could be 45. Yeah. Oh, God. I really don't like, she looks so horrible. Um, I'm going to say she is in her early 30s, like 31-ish. That's my guess. Yeah, that's probably about what I would guess, too. But it's so, so hard much work, to tell. though. Yeah. Oh, I gotta know now. This is crazy. <laughs> I have to know how old this crazy thing is. 
All right. Well, I mean, we're just gawking at someone else. So, yeah. I mean, I brought it up because I thought there might be some interesting discussion and it was trending on Facebook, which was amazing to me why this would trend anywhere. And so I, I really wanted to speak to it for that reason alone. Um, sort of the, like you were saying, almost, it, you know, it's like a train wreck. We're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to sort of, you know, rubberneck too. <laughs> so I suppose we're done. <laughs> Uh, this is PBS NewsHour. Obama warns Russia of costs for military intervention in Ukraine. And this is posted by the Associated Press March 1. President Barack Obama is warning Russia there will be costs for any military maneuvers it launches in Ukraine, a move U.S. and Ukrainian officials say they believe to be already underway. So if you know that it's already happening, which they're going to say here in just a minute, again, why, why, why even say anything? Like, just react. I don't... Fucking diplomats, man. Officials say Obama may retaliate by canceling a trip to Russia this summer for an international summit. Gasp. Um, and could also cut off trade discussions with Moscow. But it's unclear whether those moves will have any impact on Russians' calculus in Ukraine, which is at the center of what many see as a tug-of-war between East and West. Any violation of Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity would deeply destabilize be deeply destabilizing. Obama declared Friday in a statement that was the worst Obama ever. That was supposed to be Obama? No, no. <laughs> Why would, no. Uh, in a statement from the White House, such action by Russia would represent a profound interference in matters that must be decided by the Ukrainian people, he said. Separately, Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel said that while he would not address specific U.S. options, this could be a very dangerous situation if this country in a provocative way this could be a very dangerous situation if this continues not country oh boy i've had a beer uh, asked about the options in the cbs news interview he said that we're trying to deal with a diplomatic focus that's the appropriate responsible approach as obama prepared to speak late friday a spokesman for the Ukrainian border service said eight Russian transport planes had landed with unknown car cargo in Ukraine's Crimea region. Uh, oh boy. Sergei Astakov told the Associated Press that the, uh, fuck me, uh, 1176 planes or LL76 planes arrived unexpectedly and were given permission to land one after the other at, fuck me. Gvardiskoye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Airbase. U.S. officials said that there's no fucking way I'm getting through this article. Uh, th but they also said that they also believe Russian personnel had entered Crimea. The State Department urged U.S. citizens to defer non-essential travel plans in Ukraine because of the potential for instability. Russian President Vladimir Putin is scheduled to host the Group of Eight Economic Summit in June in Sochi, the site of the recent completed Winter Olympics. The U.S. is in discussions about the summit with European partners, and it is difficult to see how some of those leaders would attend the summit if Russia has forces in Crimea, according to the administration officials. They were not authorized to discuss the situation by name and spoke only on condition of anonymity. Obama canceled a bilateral meeting with President Vladimir Putin last year after Russia granted asylum to National Security Agency leader leaker Edward Snowden, though Obama still attended a separate international meeting in Russia. The administration's warning that trade talks could be halted came as Russian officials were in Washington for economic discussions with Obama advisors. 
For the U.S., levying punishments on Russia is complicated by the myriad of issues on which the White House needs Moscow's help, among them ending bloodshed in Syria, negotiating a nuclear agreement with Iran, and transporting U.S. military troops and equipment out of Afghanistan through Russian supply routes. Not to mention Uh, not bombing us. (laughs) Has anyone forgotten how many nuclear warheads Russia has? Just saying. So that is actually a very popular sentiment sentiment for a lot of the conservatives right now over this very subject. Um, And maybe we can just kind of spitball here, just uh, toss back and forth a couple ideas about this. Um, Do you think that that's that's a a realistic threat? Yeah. Politicians are idiots. They really are. I truly believe that. And I can't imagine it's just the politicians in this country. It's got to be the politicians in Russia as well. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but what about the entirety of the Cold War, where there's, it was constantly a threat and it never actually happened? Well, we did drop two bombs on Japan. Right. I uh, and don't to be know fair, that that we're the only ones who ever have. Yeah, but... I'm not trusting that it won't ever happen. It, look at it this way. You've got... Homeland Security, NSA, all these organizations saying, oh, dirty bomb, dirty bomb, we need to worry about terrorists and all that. Terrorists would have a hard time getting a hold of the materials and the technology. Russia already has it. And yet we're like, you know, doing that that whole like kids in the backseat of the car where you're like, Put your finger right next to their face and say, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. That's what we're doing. I mean, at what point is it an empty statement, though? I mean, I'm not going to go to Russia for talks with Vladimir Putin, but weeks later, he's already in Russia over another one. Um, We're still working together uh, through uh, our, you know, Russian supply lines and evacuating troops. at what point is this all just pop and circumstance? This is all just theater. Right from the start, from the word go. You know a politician is lying when they open their mouth. Right from right. the start. Right, and so, I mean, that's that's where, like, I kind of come in and, and, and see it this way, where everyone knows it's theater. Everyone knows that nothing, nothing that a politician nowadays says is a genuine threat. Like, it... Nothing's going to fucking happen. Like, if anyone's going to do anything, it's going to be us. We will, we drone motherfuckers like it's going out of style. We are the only ones who have ever dropped a bomb on another country. We <laughs> yeah, Just because we're the only ones who've done it so far does not mean we're the only ones who ever will. And, and here's the thing, though. Like, we, we have no reason, no actionable reason to think that they would ever do it other than fear. Do we have any actual reason to be there, to be worried about this? This is not our neighbor. It is their neighbor. And it's a close neighbor. And they have every reason to be want to want to be not to be involved the way they are necessarily, but to want to be involved in what's going on in that country. It would be like if Canada was breaking out in civil war. You bet the United States would have an interest in intervening in that. We have no reason to be in Ukraine. They do. That's an interesting way to put it. And I, I think, well, this is the way I see it, where, <clears throat> and, and to address what you're speaking to, there's a school of thought that says um, countries are independent amongst themselves 
and that um, you should really only be concerned if you're bordering them or if they threaten your borders or if there's some sort of physical presence um, and, and then that's how it would directly affect you. And then there's another school of thought that says, well, at this point, because borders are so skewed by corporation and uh, interest and trade deals and influence that it doesn't – borders mean literally nothing. I mean it, it has everything. We are, we are a one world of influence and we're all jockeying for position over this. So it's hard for me – to think that, well, because we are not okay, okay. attached to it, that we don't have a stake in the fight. You know okay, what I mean? If, I mean, if we go with that thinking, which makes sense in this day and age, that, that the, you know, latitude and longitude of a country doesn't really matter because of the way we all do business together, then for us to say that Russia shouldn't get involved is all the more ridiculous. Not only are they next-door neighbors, but they also follow this rule of, well, next-door neighbors doesn't even matter. We have an interest in them politically. We have an interest in doing business. It's, I mean, it's rough because there's this, uh, there's this universal presumption of authority that we have as Americans um, that are, and not us as Americans, because we don't mean shit about shit, but Mar-mar. as our country and our, our leaders um, are duly elected mm. leader, question mark, leaders. Uh, so th- the the people in power of America, uh, they have a presumption of authority around the world. So I, our, <laughs> our stock exchange affects the world's economy. Um, our say, our influence in another country affects the world politically. So when, when we are such, when we're the big kid on the block, when this is all our neighborhood and we're the biggest kid on the block, we have to, and I don't say it's right because I don't think it is, but we have to, we have to keep that up because at, at the point where we start to say, well, that's not my house. I'm not going to get involved. Well, then that allows everyone else to sort of make their deals without us. And if we want to remain a real legitimate player in this world neighborhood of ours, then we have to constantly be involved, especially when we have every other lesser second and third world country sort of standing behind us saying, come on, Butch, what do you think about this? You know, you should do something. So, you know, there's this expectation of action that our own political leaders and other world uh, uh, countries' um, uh, political powers say that we should be involved. So, so why shouldn't we? You know, I mean, so I mean, that's kind of the way we've been doing it for so long. Why change now? It becomes challenging to just say, well, you know what, Ukraine used to be a part of Russia, I believe. Uh, let's just let them swallow them up, even though Ukraine doesn't want it necessarily anymore. Surprisingly enough, on everything you've just said, we totally agree. What? Yeah. Hold no, on. I, Let me reverse everything I just said then. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Look, I mean, to, to, to paraphrase it, and, and I'm not trying to change what you said. I'm actually really trying to paraphrase it. It's for better or for worse, we've kind of become the bully on the block. And you can't maintain that position unless you keep living up to each challenge that's faced either by the people standing behind you saying, what are you going to do? Come on, you're not going to let him take you, are you? Or the people standing in front of you saying, I'm not going to bow down to you. So there is that expectation. And in order to maintain the position, we do need to do something. 
But that's us as a country. Us as individuals can look at the country acting like the world bully and say, that's bullshit. There's absolutely no reason we have any business in being there. I mean, I can appreciate the fact that that's the world policy, that's the foreign policy of the nation, and it has been for some time. But I can also look at it and say, it doesn't make sense. It's going to get us into more trouble than it's worth. Somebody's going to take us down eventually if we keep being the world bully. And I'm hoping I live long enough not to see it or live short enough not to see it. You don't want to say you live short enough not to see anything, but yeah, I don't want to see it, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like we, we grew up in this era of um, post-Cold War, uh, America's powerful dominance over the country, or over the world. I'm sorry. Um, you know, we have movies like Red Dawn, the original one, not the remake, I haven't seen it, uh, where, you know, it's this, this threat of invasion of other, other countries and so we have to, you know, have a big stick and, and stand tall and, and fucking be the aggressors. And we have whole political parties that are based around that sole idea of having a strong uh, national defense and just being as big and as bad as we possibly can and using that as a deterrent rather than um, any other way of diplomacy. Uh, but nowadays, when we have something like... Uh, our last great recession and that it plummeted other countries into severe turmoil an invasion of our country to think that our, just our financial side of life, the economic side of America plunged the world into darkness. What would a fucking invasion of America do? It would be fucking chaos. Cats and dogs living together, <laughs> mass hysteria. <laughs> like there, you, it would be madness. So Ghostbusters I, I reference. I love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad you caught that. That's amazing. Tell him about uh, the Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He has no dick. <laughs> uh, no, but like uh, to think that if if just that affected so many people and even individual countries that don't like us. Why would they go out of their way to fuck themselves again by invading? Like, I, I think we're genuinely past a point where we are so close to a one world government economically, it doesn't make sense to make this pretentious claim that other people can invade us and have any authority over our country. At this point, it would destroy everything. Like, it would be so catastrophic. I don't think any political person in power at this moment oh, would be stupid enough to do that. Okay, wait a minute. Not, wait a except minute. maybe, well, okay, there are some crazies out there. No, 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 But they're no. not powerful enough. You're kind of missing something here, I think. Oh, yeah? Any, okay, so I will agree with the point that anybody who tries to invade the United States is going to fail. Right now, the U.S., our military just blows away everything else out there. But I don't think it would be insane to try to attack the United States and destroy the United States because the people in power aren't relying on the United States standing. Their money is international. They'll survive either way. So I don't think they'll defend with their lives and their fortunes and their families, the United States. I think they will allow the United States to fall if it should happen. And they'll just take their money and build something else up and live there. It would, it would have to be, because obviously there's no way to find out for sure, but it would have to be a healthy bet. 
um, because we do have so many people with so much financial vested interest in what America is and what America does that to, to me, it, it doesn't make sense that they would risk all of that and just let someone else come in. And, you know, you have someone like 9-11 where um, Al-Qaeda and bin Laden, you know, they, they, had, they had no stake in anything. And, and what they did wasn't enough to bring down a nation. They just wanted to make a statement. They wanted to get their one punch in to prove that they were men, and that was all that they could hope to do. And that's all they were trying to do. So, but when you're talking about Russia bombing America, that that is so beyond the the standing up to the bully and punching him in the nose that it is it is almost laughable because they have stake in us being around. And if their their partners, their allies have stakes in us being around. It, like it, they would be alone, you know? I mean, e- even China, they hold so much of our fucking debt and they don't even like us. Like it, it, it would be insane to think that, eh, well, let's just cut all our losses and <laughs> let Russia do their thing. Yeah, I, I understand it's a, it's a conservative fear that China will partner with Russia again against the United yeah. States. I have a tough time seeing that, but hey, I'm, I'm not going to rule it out. It could happen. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. And I, I love these discussions because I don't ever see <laughs> a, like other angles. And, and I know you have a completely different perspective than I do. And so I love seeing the way that you see uh, stories that we, that we talk about. And so it's always nice to see other perspectives. And, you know, I miss things from time to time a lot. <laughs> and so it's nice for someone to say, hey, what about this? Uh, so I, I love that. Obviously, this is something where it's it's all opinion at this point. Nothing has happened other than us as a country, you know, through Obama saying, don't do that and shaking his big finger. Um, but, you know, it's already done. They're already doing it. And so we're going to have to see what comes of it. I really don't see World War III. I, I do know there's some pundits that are saying that that's going to happen. Um, but uh, for now, people, keep enjoying your uh, participation awards and your Starbucks. <laughs> keep, the, keep, keep enjoying those awards for your five years of service at a company <laughs> oh my gosh that's not a world i want to live in all right well let's let's close this out let's do a little bit of old next peep show and then uh yeah on the other side we'll we'll close out the episode all righty Welcome to another Old Nick Peep Show, the only segment that delivers beautiful women, masculine men, and intriguing information on all things Old Nick. Joining us as always is the very first Old Nick chick, the wonderful witch, Marilyn Mansfield, and her handsome beau, senior editor, Warlock Zothamog. How are you both? Hey, Adam. How are you? Hi, Adam. We're doing well. Thank you. Fantastic. I'm still enjoying the classic issue. Yeah, the classic issue is doing very, very well. It's actually um, selling out from what I was told recently close so. to selling out close to selling out it yeah but it's uh doing very very well uh, that, <laughs> that's a little unnerving so i mean it had to be re-released because the original version sold it out and now this re-release is selling out so i, I guess readers out there or <laughs> readers listeners and readers if you haven't gone and checked this out and, and picked up your copy you might not be able to get it again i mean i 
I would imagine there's other issues that are going to be re-released before this is re-released again. So uh, get on it. Where can people go to grab this uh, if they want to pick up one of those last copies? Well, as always, um, Old Nick Magazine can be found on magcloud.com. And, you know, we also have the the more hardcore version on skinmags.com. And there's also, of course, oldnickmagazine.com. Well, the oh, yes, to... of course. Oldnickmagazine.com yeah. <laughs> has links to everything. Right, right. Nice. You know, what I think what people really enjoyed about this issue was the, uh, the 6606 event, which was... Um, you know, featured in in uh, in this one, so. And your spread as well. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking at me, and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yes, yes, I know that. I'm very flattered, as I said last time. That was a good shoot. Oh yes, like that it. shoot was amazing. That was the longest shoot I've ever done, I think. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, nine hours, I think it was. Nine hours! Nine <laughs> hours insane. in front of a roaring fire. And uh, <laughs> it was really funny because where, where we uh, shot it was near Christmas time. And uh, the house that we, we borrowed for the shoot had uh, <laughs> like um, nutcrackers and things like uh, little Christmas statues on the oh, yeah, fireplace. Yeah, yeah. And we had to take them off. We put skulls and animals. <laughs> skulls and <laughs> Swords and yeah, candles and everything. Yeah, this poor lady had her whole house uh, rearranged. The fireplace, <laughs> the fireplace was beautiful. It was, yeah, it was everything worked out great. For the yeah. reenactment, right, right. Of the you know classic Jane and Anton um, photo. Yeah, that's why my hair got a little flat in some of the pictures. I was like dying, roasting. <laughs> <laughs> Very first uh, issue of Old Nick Magazine. Uh, Celebrating and featuring uh, the 6606 ritual and altar, which is sort of, you know, one of the, the spreads of the issue, which she was fantastic. First Old Nick Chick being featured in Old Nick Magazine with Marilyn Mansfield yourself, which was amazing. So, I, I mean, I really can't think of any other reasons why you would, you know, I, I can't think of any reason why you would not want to pick up this issue. But to add to that, you have... <laughs> Uh, Megas Peter H. Gilmore doing an uh, an article in there as well, like a little Q and A, right? Yeah, yeah. Thirteen questions with the Megas. Right. I mean, it's that's fantastic. So. Peter interviewed. Yeah, really good. He's really. I mean, just from personal experience interviewing him on Nine Cents, he's uh he's really easy to talk to, and he's uh, a real, real gentleman. Gentleman, and you know, some people, you know, you. You would think, and maybe it's just because we're so used to seeing so many schmucks in the real world, you know, they get a little bit of authority behind them and they become sort of uh, monsters, you know, versions of themselves. Uh, Megas Gilmer, he's always been solid, you know, sort of salt of the earth kind of guy, um, really true gentleman. And his, uh, his knowledge, his spread of knowledge is amazing, like shocking. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's great. So he's great all around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely check that issue out for the, the Q&A and for the photo shoots. I mean, there's so many beautiful women. And in the re-release, there's actually a, a new spread. And, and we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to harp it on it um, very much longer. But because you did mention, you know, we're uh, running out here. <laughs> if, if you mm -hmm. do want a copy, you better get on it, people. All right, so yeah, um, yeah. with both of you here, I did want to talk about one other thing. So I, I noticed 
Um, I think it was either earlier this past week or the week before uh, going across social networking sites that you guys had uh, started up a Pinterest account, right? Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is true. Um, you know, Old Nick Magazine is always looking for new venues to um, spread the word of, you know, the latest issues. And I, I came across Pinterest, interestingly enough, um, through a friend of mine who just show, happened to be looking at it. And I was like, hey, what's that? You know, and I'd heard um, several people talking about it. So, I, you know, I looked into it and I found that there wasn't really any sort of censorship when it came to what is allowed on the site, because I immediately, you know, found nudity and, you know. Oh, there is nudity. Yes. See, I'm, so not, I'm not familiar with Immediately, you. I was just like, this would be great for old Nick. Oh, you yeah. know, so I just started, you know, I made an account. Um, you know, I put up some pictures up there. Um, it, it's really cool because you get to, like, it's called pinning to your board. So you create a board, which is kind of like a folder where you keep things of, of a, common interest, you know? So let's say like if you want to make a folder of pinups, you know, so you create a board of pinups, you use the search feature, you type in pinups, and then all these pictures come up. And if you like one, you pin it to your board. You can also just like it like you do like on Facebook or Instagram. You can comment on it and you can choose to follow people. They can follow you back kind of like on Twitter. So it's really cool. It's got its own little like network and it's, it's a good it's a good vehicle to promote the magazine, I feel. And it's free. So you can pin pin a pinup picture on Pinterest. 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 <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest. I've never, I've never been on, on, on this, uh, Pinterest. It's thing, interesting. So. It's, you know, it's a time killer. Like if you got a little free yeah. time and you just want to search things of, you know, of interest, it's, it's visual, you know, uh, I don't know, eye candy. You know, you just look up stuff and you go, oh, wow, that's cool. And, you know, whatever your your particular interests may be, you can pin it. Interest, you know? That's pretty cool because, like, on regular, you know, traditional social networking sites, you sort of see an image you like, you click like, or you just appreciate it for that minute, and then kind of you never really see it again. You know, it, it falls off the radar. But with this, you can kind of keep going back to it. Right. And, you know, what you do is you you make a collection of the things you like. So your boards are what you favor. So, you know, um, you know, like Old Nick has, uh, let's say, a fetish fashion, you know. Mm -hmm. so you, you know, there's a board on there. Like if I'm, if I'm looking through the Pinterest, you know, uh, I'm searching through all the images and I see something that's really cool, I'll pin it to that board. So then I can go back to that board and look at the things that I like, that I pin. And then people who follow Old Nick can go and see the things that we like and you know, and then you create a bigger network, and it's it's pretty cool, you know. So, so other than just show, sharing old Nick stuff, you're actually going out and and I guess liking or pinning other things that are related to it. Yes, exactly. You know, like I have a board on there that's uh, called uh, how do I word it? I think it was cigar smoking sirens. Okay, oh, wow. just all like artistic photography of beautiful women smoking cigars. Nice. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> if you think about Old Nick Magazine, it's just like, yeah, that makes sense, you know? Hell yeah. That, that would be a nice feature, actually. Yeah, that so it's nice. like, you know, you go on, you know, I have a board there, and anyone who's following Old Nick Magazine on Pinterest, on their news feed, when they sign on, they will see, like, what are the latest um, images that I've pinned to my boards, and they can, like, they can like them or pin them to their boards or share them or comment them. It's, it's cool. Nice. Well, let me ask you something because 
you already have a, a pretty healthy uh, page on Facebook and, and a pretty healthy Twitter account that you guys regularly um, communicate. What what are the guidelines that you sort of use yourself in sharing uh, uh, old Nick images? Um, I basically <clears throat> try to keep it, you know, as, I don't know, uh, clean as possible, you know? <laughs> well, Facebook is picky with that stuff, but we also keep it to a minimum so that we're not giving away the whole magazine, you know, yeah. on social media, you know, before people get it. So it's like little teasers. We don't want to give away too much. And we don't want to get the page shut down or anything because of nudity or whatever. So we basically, you know, yeah, you're, you're not going to pay attention any, to the rules. <laughs> you're not going to see any of the hardcore skin mag stuff out there. But you will maybe see a cropped version of something that will entice you to go pick that up. Yeah. Nice. Well, let me ask you uh, personally here, Zoth. Um, are you are you a traditional or are you a skin mag kind of guy? Uh, <laughs> skin yeah, mag. getting all, <laughs> get all personal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I like both. I, you know, I have an appreciation. See, I'm a kind of guy who likes balance. I, I'm not all one or all the other. I like a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I think I picked up that quote like very young watching Caligula. You know, it's like, you must like both. You know, so it was like, <laughs> um, I like the traditional, you know, like sort of pinup style photography where there's erotic that, you know, leads the, you know, the imagination is where it's very erotic. But I also like the hardcore stuff too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. That's cool. So what, I mean, what do you see the, the future with that for, um, uh, for the Pinterest? So, you know, obviously, as you just mentioned, you have to sort of filter or, or cleverly edit photos with Facebook and Twitter. Well, and, and then you mentioned that Twitter doesn't really have any, I'm sorry, um, Pinterest doesn't have any filter. Is that something where you're going to be a little bit more liberal on that account? I, I will try, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of new to the site myself, so I'm not fully aware of what the limitations are, but what I've seen since a lot of the images are considered artistic photography, there's right. no limit, you know? I mean, I haven't seen like hardcore penetration pornography, but I've seen full frontal nudity. I've seen, you know, uh, breasts and everything is out there. So it's like, okay. So that's right in line. Yeah. That's and cool. I, you know, as so long as there's nobody like moderating it to the point where they're trying to like shut everything down, like they're doing now with like Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, it'll be the perfect venue for Old Nick to spread the word. Well, Twitter allows nudity, doesn't it? I see a lot of nudity on Twitter. A Twitter, lot. Twitter links to outside. Oh, you, you can link oh, on Twitter, right, right. but you can't see Twitter. You can't really post an image on there. So it's like, you know, you have TwitPic, but that's kind of like an outside yeah. site as well. So kind of like it, it alleviates the burden of being responsible for promoting pornography because it's outside. Yeah, I guess you know, so. And they also change the URLs when you post it. You're not promoting a pornographic site on Twitter. Like the URL always changes when you post it. So I remember the MySpace days. They, uh, they, they uh, took down one of my pictures because it, it had too much cleavage. Oh, Ariella or something, right? No, it, had, no, it just had cleavage. I was wearing a corset and I had cleavage. And I was sitting next to this girl who oh, had um, big yeah, boobs too, and yeah, they they yeah, yeah. took down the picture, and I was I was really like mad because I'm like 
okay, because we have like large boobs, like, yeah. you know. Cleavage things. overload. Yeah, I was, I was like, how dare them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they didn't shut it down. You guys just broke MySpace with too much cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> you just overloaded the system. Yeah, but uh, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, social networking nowadays, it's it's much more than just, you know, friends connecting with each other. I mean, Facebook itself is turning more into a branding tool than it is friends sharing irrelevant information with each other. Twitter started very much as a sort of, you know, thought of the moment. And in, in many cases, it still is. But it's also sort of, you know, companies are using it a little bit more um, cleverly for promotions and stuff like that. Uh, is this something that Old Nick is is taking into consideration when, when they're doing this? Because it seems to me that you guys are primarily, um, primarily, you know, just sharing images and stuff like that. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, Twitter, to me, Twitter is kind of, it's, it's, I like Twitter, but, you know, uh, I don't like that you can only write, you know, whatever it is, 140 characters or whatever, because I'm, you know, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always, like, trying to shorten everything, and, uh, yeah. but, you know, when we do the old Nick um, Twitter, we're just, like, you know, promoting the new issue, trying to get uh, ad space, you know, um, looking for models, things like that. So it is really good for, you know, just getting like the point across, you know, with, mm-hmm. with email contact info and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, besides images, I mean, we're, we're promoting a magazine, but there are a lot of opportunities within the magazine for people to, you know, um, get exposure for the, for themselves, their business, um, to model in, you know, uh, to get your writing considered, you know, and things like that. So, it's important that we, you know we're always um, leaving those options out there. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For anyone trying to run a business, it's just smart business to utilize everything that's out there that's available to you that's free. Social networking yeah. right now, you don't have to pay for any of it. All you have to do is make an account and abide by the terms of services. So as so long as you know how to play the game, you can utilize these tools to get your message across. And, you know, Old Nick Magazine is just going to utilize everything that's out there. You know, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have uh, Gmail, we have, what is that, Google Plus, we got Pinterest, yeah. we've got, uh, I think we have... We have uh, two Twitters, because we have me yeah, in the magazine. Two Twitters, yeah. I mean, the, the e-blogger site, there's, you know, anything that's out there that I, that I can reach people, I'm going to use it. And anyone out there who's trying to run a business should do the same thing as well, you know? Just utilize everything that's that's available to you and, and get your message across, and that's what we're doing. It sounds massively time-consuming. Yeah, we do. We spend a lot of time on it, you know, but the thing is with the, with smartphones and everything now, you know. Yeah. I mean, we could be out, and I'll say, you know what, let's uh, tweet about this and that, and it's done in two seconds, you know. It's not like, yeah. you know, years ago you had to sit in front of the computer uh-huh. for, you know. It is time-consuming, but I mean, you know, as long as – as long as we have our phones and that kind of thing, like we just basically do it on the run, whatever, you know, whenever, I mean, when he's uh, doing updates to the site and all, that's when he's sitting down in front of the computer for hours, you know, but um, I do a lot of the promotional stuff and I do it right from my phone, you know, it's, it's, it's fast and easy, you know, fun. I mean, we, we believe it all, Nick, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> the technology nowadays, like yeah. you're saying, you know, it's. It's just everything that's so mobile. There's, there's really no excuse for you not right. to be connected 
to your fan base out there in one way or another. If somebody sends us a message, if they want to yeah. write to us about something, we usually reply within the day. You know, everyone has, everyone's connected to some sort of social networking site where we can like hear what the, you know, people are saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about social networking and, and Old Nick's interaction with its audience. Is there ever any consideration about how people consume, um, you know, consume this type of content? Because this is, you know, it, it's a gentleman's magazine. You have uh, beautiful nude women. You have some really wonderful content in there as well. I mean, do you think the, the process of, of consuming it? So uh, let me let me sort of try to illustrate what I'm saying. Um I, when I when I first turned eighteen, and and I'm sort of going back in my memory because it was a while ago, I, I remember signing up for Playboy magazine, and it wasn't you know we didn't have internet and so it wasn't like I could just log on and do anything. So it 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 was a process of the um, excitement of waiting in the mail for the new issue, and then opening it and sort of thumbing through it, you know, just sort of, you know, get a glance at the women and see what that was like, um, maybe show it to my friends. But then there was a moment where I actually would be able to sit down and read, like just consume it, you know, with my eyes and, and, and read over the articles and, and the commentary and stuff. And I find that that's what I do with old Nick, where I, I thumb through it really quick just to sort of see everything that's in it and see the, the girls and everything. And then I find myself setting aside time in the day where, okay, I can actually have, you know, I have kids and so I don't have a lot of time. So, you know, like I can set aside time. Oh, okay, the kids are going to bed. All the homework's done. I can spend a half an hour. I want to spend that reading this magazine. Do you think that that's a common thing that people do? Is there any, is there any thought about presenting the magazine with that in mind, with, with how people consume it. I mean, do you think nowadays with, with everything so, you know, instant gratification centered, um, that people are, are, are reading the content as much? I, I think, I think they definitely read the content. I think that, um, that's why, uh, Bob decided to do it in digital format because the first issue was only print. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the digital age, you know, he realized that, you know, a lot of people like to be on the computer all the time. And that, you know, see, it's, for me, I, I like the print issues. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I had all types of books and magazines. You know, my daughter has a, a Kindle now. And I think mm -hmm. it's so weird that you get a book like on this little, you know, <laughs> I like a real book, you know, but yeah. it's really about preference. But that that's why, you know, um, Old Nick expanded into the digital, you have a choice because there, I think today, you know, a lot of people, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe the younger, uh, generation really do prefer everything digital, right. you know, mm -hmm. but reading like a, a, a book, a real book or, or, you know, a print magazine seems kind of, uh, old fashioned, yeah. but for, I mean, I, I love that, <laughs> but, um, you know, and then there's people who get in digital and they'll get it in, in print and just, you know, put it away so they have it as a collector's item, you know. I think um, when Old Nick Magazine is being conceptualized, when we're actually thinking about how the layout's going to be, the idea is the physical print edition. Right. It's the traditional sitting down, looking at it, gazing at it. But we're also going to now convert that physical thing into the digital media 
for those who do not have the leisure to sit down for like half an hour and completely consume it. Because we're aware that, you know, sometimes it's not the most convenient thing to pull out a nudie magazine while you're sitting on the train and start reading <laughs> yeah, an article. Yeah. You know, but it, is, <laughs> but it is a lot easier to maybe pull out your tablet and just flip through some pages quickly and get to that article that you wanted to read. You know, so that way, you know, it's, it's available to all the, all the consumers. It's not just yeah. for the person who, can, who has the free time to look at the magazine at home in a physical print. It's also available to those who are on the run but who are really interested in reading the content or, you know, for people who just want to look at, you know, uh, images on their phones or whatever. It, it's, it's everything to everyone. But it does start with the idea of the physical magazine. It's just a matter of taking that now and converting it into the digital media that's available to us. That's, you know, like also going back to the social media aspect. You know, we have a full issue here. How can I take this and somehow put it on Facebook? Or how can I take this and, you know, pin it onto Pinterest? It's, it's starting with the physical and then turning it into the digital. Plus, I mean, with any, just like with any, anything you're trying to sell, you have to keep up with the time, you know? And, and the reality is that everything's digital now. Yeah. I you, mean, know, you know, so, but I think it's amazing that it's not only digital, it is, it, it is offered in print still because, you know, for people like, like me who prefer, you know, something in, in actual print to sit down and read, it's great. But, you know, there are people, like I said, that, you know, live on the computer, whatever, that's fine. I mean, it's really a preference. And then you could even get both, you know, and like what he said, you know, you could look it up, look at it on your, on your tablet, go home and look at the print issue when you're, you know, when you're, I don't know, not on the train or something like that. Right, right. So it's just important to, you know, it's it's really cool that old Nick has branched out to all these, uh, you know, keeping up with everything and, you know, um, expanded into digital and skin mags and, you know, right. everything. So, yeah. Have you guys ever run any numbers? Um, and I, I don't want specifics or anything, but does the majority of the audience go for traditional or does the majority go for the skin mag edition? Um, I think it's pretty equally balanced. The, the good thing about getting the traditional, um, you know, <clears throat> paper print edition is that you are offered a free download. So, you know, when, when you really want to think about it, everyone's getting a digital, whether they get a print or not. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just a matter of like, are people preferring the more um, the hardcore version or the softcore version? It's, it's a little, I think it's pretty equally balanced. I, I don't see that there being a, a particular lean in any direction right now. I mean, that may change in the future, who knows? But yeah. I think right now, I, I think it's pretty evenly based. Nice. Well, I mean, just in this discussion, I mean, you know, we should probably think about closing this out, but there, there are a number of things I would like to talk with you guys about in the future. And, you know, one of them being offering um, the content in, in different formats, whether that's whether you think that'll ever be uh, an option, meaning, you know, collecting up all of the essays into one release or collecting up all of the images, you know, the spreads into one release or or um, all of the, you know, featured articles and, you know, stuff like that. Or um, if, uh, you know, if there'll ever be like a package deal where you can get both the, the skin mag and the traditional um, for discounted price, or if you can sort of all the card it saying, I want the skin mag digital and I want the traditional um, uh, 
print version, you know, in, in a sort of combo. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk to you guys about that in the future sometime. Those are all good okay. ideas. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for another Old Nick's Peep show. We know this segment is never enough, but you can uncover Old Nick content online as we've been discussing this entire episode. So uh, let's g- run over the, the whole, the gamut one more time for everyone. <laughs> Where can you find Old uh, Nick online? OldNickMagazine.com. Yeah, and look us up on Facebook and Twitter and now on Pinterest and yeah. just everywhere. Where, wherever you're online, just search Old Nick Magazine and you're going to see us somewhere. Yep, and models. And uh, if you want ad space, you can contact info at OldNickMagazine.com. Well, Marilyn, Zoth, thank you so much for your time. As always, it was an absolute pleasure. Always a pleasure, Adam. Thank you very much. Thank you, Adam. Until next time, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. And that is going to do it, people, for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, before we go, Jesse, how can people get in touch with you or find more about you online? Well, they can tweet me. I'm damned lucky. And they can visit my blog, which is drafts from a satanic windbag at wordpress.com. And if they want, they can email me. It's idojesse at gmail.com. Now, be nice or I'll delete the email account. Or, or I will give your name to a lot of people who will send you spam. One way or the other, I will get back to you if you are not nice. You will get a lot of really amazing deals in the mail. <laughs> oh, will you? <laughs> okay, so that I can't believe you're giving out your email address. Yeah, what the hell? Do that. We'll see what All happens. Right. Send her some good stuff, people. All right, and then, uh, you can always visit the website 9centspodcast.com, send correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com, and let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. I do suggest uh, emailing Jesse on her email that she just gave you. Uh, let her know what you think of her segment. Let her know what you think of uh, our banter back and forth. I get it from time to time. It would be nice if you send it directly to her so that she can uh, you know, get a sense of it herself. Uh, you can visit the Satanet Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Mondays via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 cents via iTunes by searching 9 cents, and don't forget to leave a rating under comment. And uh, always remember, people, you want to learn a little bit about Satanism? Get a goddamn book. The Satanic Bible, the Satanic Scriptures, start there, and there's a lot of places you can go from there. You can also check out ChurchOfSatan.com's website. Uh, and remember that the only way that this podcast is going to continue is if you tell someone, continue to share Nine Cents, people. I truly appreciate everything you guys have done, sharing my status updates, sharing the videos, um, sh- communicating with your social networks about nine cents. It does nothing but help us build this podcast. Let's do it together. Help spread the word. And once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Jesse. The amazing Jesse. And until next week, hail Satan. Hail Satan.